welcome to another edition of YCT Matters. My name is Carol Platt-Lebow. I'm the president of Yankee Institute. And today we are joined by Cameron Atkinson. You may have read uh, of Cameron recently in Connecticut Inside Investigator. Cameron is a Connecticut lawyer, and he is representing a group of Bridgeport residents at the moment uh, who are seeking to vindicate their rights in the ballot fraud case you have heard something about. And we're going to go back and we're going to talk to Cameron about his theory of the case and what has happened. And we're just going to take it from the top. So, Cameron, thanks for being with us on YCT Matters. Thanks for having me. So, Cameron, let's start from the beginning. Let's talk about what happened that sort of kicked off um, the, the, the sort of gravamen of this case. So every um, every year, the two major uh, political parties in the state hold a hold primaries for municipal elections, and they're they're a little more they're a little closer to the general election than uh, you'd think in a presidential election or something. So Bridgeport's mayor is a fellow named Joe Gannum. He's a Democrat. Um, he went to federal prison a number of years ago for wire fraud and a couple of other things, if I recall correctly. Um, and then he came out and he got himself reelected. Right. So he is a politician running of, against... of no mean abilities to be able to do that. So he, he gets himself reelected. Um, he that he's primary this year by a fellow named John Gomes, who's an up and comer in the Bridgeport Democrat um, Party. And the primary is close for all intents and purposes. Because we're still operating on, on state absentee ballot regime, et cetera, absentee ballots are being passed out um, galore for the primary. Um, you know part of the procedure from the pandemic. Um, you fill it out, you take it to a drop box, and you uh, you stick it in there, and the town clerk gets it, or whoever one of their deputies gets it, and it's opened on election day and counted. Um, Bridgeport, to my understanding, used four drop boxes, including one right down the street from my office. Um, and the, so that was one of the ones that was at issue here, as well as one at a firehouse in Bridgeport. Uh, a greeter who works at the Bridgeport um, City Office Building uh, by the name of Wanda Jeter Pataki, um, and a mayor, uh, a Bridgeport con uh, councilwoman, Anita Martinez, were uh, caught on video outside the firehouse and outside the Bridgeport Municipal Office building returning of absentee ballots. I'm talking about trash bags where they were going in with multiple handfuls and pulling out I the the. The judge's decision in uh, John Gomes's lawsuit said hun possibly hundreds of um, absentee ballots. Now, under Connecticut law, um, you have to be a police officer, a medical professional, or someone who fits in a narrow... Right, in order to be able to do that. ...thoroughly defined criteria to return a ballot on behalf of somebody else. And these were, these two people were. So, Cameron, this is no longer alleged behavior. This is behavior that is proven, correct? 
Oh, it's been proven in a civil court. Um, John Gomes's campaign sued to have the results of the Democrat primary thrown out, which uh, Joe Gannon won. Um, a, a judge, William Clark of the Bridgeport Superior Court, agreed mm-hmm. with him. He made uh, maybe four or five pages of detailed factual findings that right. showed at least 22 instances incidents of um this jeter pataki and this martinez um stuffing the absentee ballot box and he said in light of that video evidence he just there was just no way he could find um that the elections were with integrity yes and and i think he called it shocking and so he has set the election aside basically he, he set it aside um it was a convoluted procedure for even for a lawyer at the time. He allowed the general election to go forward, and uh, both Joe Gannam and John Gomes ran. Um, and Joe Gannam wins the general election, but then he issued an order um, afterwards rescheduling the Democrat primary. So, who Bridgeport's next mayor will be will be determined by who won, wins that Democrat primary. And I, I think one of the interesting things to note is John Gomes was leading Joe Gannam before the absentee ballots were made or were opened. And once those were opened, um, Joe Gannam absolutely cleaned his clock on the on absentee ballots. Okay, so that is where we are. It seems as though, however, no action had been taken uh, against these two people who were seen on video engaging in this activity of allegedly stuffing None the ballot box. Taken, to my knowledge, and this is part of a pattern pattern in practice both in Bridgeport and by the State Election Enforcement Commission. Um, Miss Jeter Pataki, um, from the information that we have, is on record at Democrat town council meetings, Dem- Democrat town committee meetings, saying that we understand that a complaint was made to the State Elections Enforcement Commission back in 2019 of her doing something similar to this. And uh, that complaint was referred to the chief state's attorney for a criminal prosecution. She was never arrested. She was never prosecuted. And we saw the same thing about to happen again. The initial reaction out of the powers that were be was to find out who leaked the surveillance video and whether they could be subject to criminal charges rather than identifying the people who engaged in this behavior and hold them accountable. Yes, because the big problem isn't the behavior itself, everyone finding out about it. I I remember seeing the coverage um, of of, uh, everybody uh, in Bridgeport all hot and bothered about the police officers who were alleged to have uh, leaked this information and considerably less bothered about the people who were allegedly stuffing the ballot box. It, and... it was it was uh Carol, it was outrageous. There were protesters, at least one protester that I'm aware of, who was arrested outside a Joe Gannam campaign dinner um after somebody didn't like the fact that the 
called the Bridgeport Police Department to come clear them out. Um, I have said before that uh, Joe Gannam is using the Bridgeport Police Department like his own private gang to protect himself in power. And every day I wake up and I see what he does with respect to this issue, I'm more confirmed in my opinion on that. And I mean, this isn't a partisan situation because this is this is, you know, alleged Democrat on Democrat wrongdoing. That's what's important for everyone to understand. And, you know, if there is corruption here, the people who are suffering are the Democrats who are trying to clean it up. This is just amazing. Um, And so no one was actually going after the people who were trying, you know, who were, in fact, allegedly engaging in this activity. So this is where you come in, correct? Correct. All we were getting was of that same boatload of malarkey that we get from uh, the state police, we get from local police, that we get from state officials. We can't comment on a pending matter. Our view was your matter against Miss Jeter Pataki has been pending for four years, and she did it again. What's it going to take to get it to stop? Well, yeah, what doesn't get punished gets rewarded effectively. Um, And so what happened then? Well, uh, a nonprofit, um, Fight Voter Fraud Inc., um, was referred to me by a can't do this. um, You might be somebody crazy enough to do this. And they they had located a um, Connecticut law that was passed in 1953 and has only been invoked once in state history, where three private citizens who are voters of a time under oath and a Connecticut judge has to review that complaint and has to issue an arrest warrant if they find what's known as probable cause or in layman's parlance, reasonable suspicion that the person accused of committing a crime committed it and that evident the evidence is sufficient to justify the suspicion. Yeah, and it's uh it's section 9140B uh, subsection A um right which says that absentee ballots can only be cast if they're mailed or returned to a town clerk by the ballot applicant an applicant's designee if they're ill or disabled, or a member of a student's immediate family. Correct. And that, that I, I really focused on the designee when I was preparing this because... Yes, because um, doubtful that, that these, these uh, women have that many immediate family members, um, and um, clearly uh, they are not themselves the applicants of that many ballots. Exactly. And what ultimately the only way I could distill this for myself when I was looking at it is a designee boils down to a police officer or a medical professional who's caring for somebody. Now, and, I think the de- definition could be read a little broader than that, but that is what I came away thinking. And so um, and so if they are uh, if they do not fall within those categories, uh, it's a class D felony. Is that correct? Class D felony, um, it's punishable up by up to a maximum of five years in prison. Um, there's no mandatory minimum. So conceivably, a judge or a corrupt 
prosecutor could give them a get out of jail free card. Um, but for all intents and purposes, it's it's a maximum of five years. Hmm. Well, that's uh, that's really interesting. And you've said there could be a couple of different outcomes um, to filing this lawsuit, correct? Yes. Uh, the, the first one that we expected, since nobody's ever used the statue um, in 50 to 60 years, is that when I took these criminal complaints into the clerk's office, that the clerk would refuse to accept them. And the, the clerk initially did refuse to accept them and then and told me to go to the police and I provided the clerk the statutory section um, and the clerk checked with some super supervisors and then accepted it for filing and it, it's been in the judge's hands for a little over a week now. Um, from there, there's a couple of ways it could go out. Uh, go. Um, the judge could refuse on the grounds that he or she just doesn't feel that it's right to do something like that, um, in which case we'll take an appeal um, to the state Supreme Court if necessary. Um, the judge could reject it for probable lack of probable cause, which would also uh, result in us taking an appeal to uh, the state Supreme Court. And third, the judge could sign the uh, the complaint, approve it, and uh, then it's an active arrest warrant for these two individuals, and the police would have to go arrest them and uh, bring them to court. Hmm. Well, it's going to be interesting. So um, I guess uh, you've said that, that you feel as though um, you're thinking that, that the judge, what do you think is going to happen? The judge is going to refuse to sign it or what? I don't know which judge has it, um, yep. and a lot's going to, um, I, I practice in the Bridgeport Courthouse a lot um, as a criminal defense attorney, and uh, I know judges in there who would laugh me out of that building if I brought something in like that to them. I know other judges who would be rubbing their hands and going, leave it to Attorney Atkinson to make my day. Of course, I'm going to sign this. So it all depends on what the luck of the draw is. Yep. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we've heard a lot about our democracy and how sacrosanct the vote is. And so um, it seems to me that it's important to uh, make sure that everyone's vote counts. And whenever you have people who are uh, messing around with the vote, not only do they undermine everyone's confidence in um, the legality and the outcome and uh, <laughs> the trustworthiness of our uh, of our electoral outcomes, but you know these people are are uh, diluting legal votes and validly cast votes, and if 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 they did this and if they are not penalized for it, there's no reason it wouldn't continue. And I when... think I think you hit the nail absolutely on the head there, and that's one of the things. As I was preparing this case, I had to keep a couple of things in mind. One, um, the efforts that were made with respect to the twenty twenty election were highly partisanized. Uh, petered out in court with the whimpers, um, whether they were legitimate or not. So, as I was preparing the case. The, the goal I had 
Um, and what I want to do from the start was sit down with the people who wanted to be involved and go, why are you doing this? Right. And the common theme that came from everybody is elections, fair and impartial, fair elect, fair and honest elections are so fundamental to our system of self-government that if they can be rigged, we don't have a state, we don't have a country anymore. It was bigger than um, Democrat, Republican, any political affiliation, etc. This was a collective sense of outrage and betrayal at the at what can only properly be characterized as fraud. And we had so much solid evidence that was presented in court that led me to say there's no way this is akin to being a partisan endeavor at all. This is a nonpartisan effort to ensure that something like this doesn't happen again and doesn't betray our uh, our most valuable institution. Yes. And, you know, that's something everyone should be able to agree on, left, right and center. And it really, you know, the outcome is less important than the process, because the process is what holds us all together in the end. Um, and and once people lose faith in the process, you know, what's left? And that's why I've never understood why people can't answer reasonable questions about the process, you know, without the name calling, without the ridicule, if there are reasonable questions, you know, make the whole thing transparent, let the sun shine in. At a certain point, of course, you're never going to satisfy everyone. But where there are reasonable questions, everyone ought to calm down, slow down, answer the questions, make the process as transparent as possible. And when you have cases like this, where it seems really, you know, there's the video evidence, um, it seems to me that the justice system ought to bend over backwards to make sure that if there is wrongdoing and it is proven that it is punished and it is penalized vigorously so as to deter other people. Um, and that's the only way people on all sides can maintain faith in the integrity of the electoral system. I absolutely agree and that's that's one of the things one of the reasons why we're calling for the Connecticut General Assembly to act and appoint a, pro, a special prosecutor to investigate the extent of the Bridgeport um and to prosecute the people um in, involved because the the chief state's attorney has sat on this issue for years it's done nothing and even if they get themselves in in motion um, at our urging, we have no confidence they're go- they're going to resolve it in a way that sends that deterrent message and um, makes people think twice before they go cheating us all out of our votes. Yep, and and that should never ever ever happen. Um, so, Cameron, thank you so much. And everyone, if you want to read more of this, the, where I found out about it was from reading uh, Connecticut Inside Investigator, where there is a piece covering this, and I'm sure we'll be covering more. And so, Cameron, I want to thank you for taking time to walk us through this and uh, and for um, taking this on. Uh, I'm sure there will be Carol. Thank you, Carol, for having me on. I will 
definitely keep you updated. And what I'd say to you and your listeners is buckle up. This is only the tip of the iceberg of what my clients and I will be doing in the coming months to ensure integrity in our elections. Well, we will uh, we will be keeping a weather eye and keeping everyone informed. So thank you so much, Cameron Atkinson, and uh, read all about it at Connecticut Inside Investigator. Thanks for your time today. And we thank you, our listeners, for joining us. This is Carol Platt-Lebow. We hope you'll join us again for another edition of YCT Matters. I'll show you right-